This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexil series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a big time guest in the building today. We got Brian Berenger, the Director of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at CBU Christian Brothers University based here in Memphis, Tennessee. How's it going, B-squared? It's going great. Awesome stuff, man. You ready to pour some knowledge in Startup Nation today? Let's do it. Awesome stuff. As always, Startup Nation, my name is Dominic Lawson. This is the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. So first things first, Brian, man, let's just dive into it. Tell us your origin story. What's your path of entrepreneurship up until this point? That's a, a, a long history, and I'll try to make it as short as possible. All right. It's, uh, I'm a second-generation serial entrepreneur. I've been right. this for 30 years. Uh, started my first business with my dad mm-hmm. when I was in, uh, about 10 or 11 years old. Right. I started a retail uh, shop doing video rentals mm-hmm. in the early 80s. Um, and he kind of saw in me the same thing he had, which was that entrepreneurial spirit. So he would just uh, start out with just asking me my idea because I was a resident video geek in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, before I knew it, I was managing three people in two shifts at mm. 13 years old at wow. the video store. And I, I don't think I ever turned back from that entrepreneurial um, lifestyle. I think I've reluctantly tried to leave it a few times. I went and worked at FedEx for a little while. Gotcha. Um, but even when I was there, I was doing entrepreneurial work. I mean, right. I kind of knew where my skill set was and my passion and drive was. So they always gave me projects that were very entrepreneurial, uh, just inside of a major corporation. But mm-hmm. other than that, I've you know, bookend all those other corporate gigs with just either side hustles or startups or um, you know, first employee type of things of a few startups. Right. Um, all the way up until you know, just recently, I had a business about a year ago that really, for you know, another long story, but. Um, really wasn't panning out much, so we decided to close the business. Um, and I, then at that point, I decided that I wanted to take all that 30 years of knowledge that I built and kind of start um, mentoring and advising other entrepreneurs. So I hear that. You know, I, I just been doing it from the ground level for so many years, and now I, you know, I couldn't bring myself away from or bring myself to leaving that lifestyle, but I just do it in a different way. Gotcha. Know, like that uncle that used to play with the kids and give it back to, you know, give the company back to the entrepreneur with some right. advice and guidance and, and everything else and then let them run with it. So it's a, it's a good life. I love it. 
Awesome stuff. Well, let me ask you this, man. So, you know, you, you talked about you tried to leave the lifestyle a few yeah. times. Like, what do, you, what do you think that kept pulling you back in? Like, what, what, what is it about the entrepreneurial lifestyle? Just like, you know what? I feel like this is where I should be. Or at least, at the very least, in the, in yeah, the, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think the easy answer is aggravation would, be, you know, it caused me to leave the entrepreneurial life. And then actually that same aggravation <laughs> caused me to leave the life I was escaping to. Gotcha. Um, you know, I think entrepreneurs, you know, we have a way about us, um, and it's growing generation by generation. Mm. Um, but we, you know, we definitely want to be kind of the, the script of our scriptures of our own domain, right? Absolutely. Our own destiny and, um, kind of forge our own existence. And it's not that we are adverse to authority or responsibility of working right. for or with others. It's just that we want to be at the point of creation of things. Absolutely. Um, and that, that conception of when an idea starts to come to fruition and you then figure out all the things you need to do to execute. So I think mean, a lot of those times, you know, I left because of, you know, financial risk and different things. It's like, you know, I want a paycheck for a little while. I want that insurance. Maybe right. A little 401. And inevitably I would do that and take that 401 and spend it on my next startup. Right. You mm -hmm. know, because I, I just couldn't get away from the culture. And a lot of times I just wanted to be doing more than just having my single faceted job, right? I wanted to be able to be responsible for all the facets that come with building a, a startup or an idea. For sure. So it's really, you know, it's a pretty similar reason why it drove me away and why it keeps bringing me back. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Tell me a little bit about the, the video store game, man. Like, you know, I think it's fascinating that, you know, your dad had the the foresight, if you will, to kind of see, you know, well, like this, this, you know, uh, uh, watching movies at the house kind of thing is yeah. kind of going to be a thing. So kind of yeah. walk me through that a little bit, if he, you would. He's an amazing dude. I mean, I, you know, he's my father, so I'm obviously very partial. Absolutely. Him, right. Right. He's the smartest man I know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, but at the same time, he was doing things that I teach now 35 years later. I hear he was, that. He understood customer discovery. Mm. He understood looking at the market and seeing what trends were there and then gambling on some of those trends. I mean, remember this is in the early eighties. So some of the startup nation that I'm talking to here might remember back that time. So I'm not, but at that time there was a huge war over VHS versus beta mm, two formats. That's right. And it was a real gamble. But the one thing that he didn't gamble on was he knew that this one of the two was going to win and that videos at home and, watching content at home as opposed to going to the movie theater Absolutely. was going to grow. And it really started with me and my total fascination of being a fanboy of Star Wars, right? I mean, <laughs> right, so right. May 78, Star Wars comes out. He gets a bootleg copy of mm -hmm. it on VHS, which is probably <laughs> the reason why we chose VHS, because that's what it was. Fair enough. I watched it 178 times before the tape finally just Just, just gave out. Right. In fact, <laughs> the, uh, the video was no longer there. It was mostly snow. So I wow. was audio. But in my mind, I could still play the video. Right. But, you know, he looked at that, and I'm nine years old at the time, 10 years old, and he looked at that and started understanding that, um, you know, this is a trend. This is going to be something that's there. So he started doing market research. He found uh, another video rental store in Louisiana um, mm. and, and went and talked to them. So we had family in Louisiana. So when we on a family trip, we did some real life customer discovery and walked into the store and talked to the owner and realized it's not a cheap venture to do because videos were very expensive. Right. Um, he knew also that not everyone had them. So we bought right. video players that right. could be rented. Um, and then I would learn and turn teach myself how to repair those because mm. it would break all the time because of a rental property and everything else. So I mean, right. 
we just did a lot of customer research mm -hmm. and really got to know the industry very well, got to know our customers very well. Um, and then we actually pivoted and opened a pizza delivery store and started delivering pizzas and movies, right? Ah, because it was- Kind of go hand right, in hand, right. Hand in hand. You know, people wanted to have, this is the early days of Domino's and Pizza Hut delivery and everything else. So we, he just did a really good job of understanding the market. And right. this is stuff we I teach about every day at CBU around market feasibility mm -hmm. studies and research and customer discovery. And so that's where the, really the story began. And, and like I said earlier, he he saw something in me that I really wanted to plug in more and more and be on the ground level of building these things. And, right. You know, he built that trust in me. And I, you know, I, I've been paying him back every day by, you know, leaving, leading that life. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, when you talk about the war between VHS and Betamax, it kind of reminds me of not too long ago, kind of like between HD DVD and Blu-ray. Right. Uh, kind of similar to yeah, that. So. Yeah, so I appreciate you sharing all of that for sure. So I, I want to ask you this, you know, you know, just kind of switching gears a little bit, because I know uh, you're a graduate and mentor of an amazing accelerator we have here at Starco yeah. here in Memphis. And so, you know, when you're, you know, mentoring and, and, and sharing that guidance with you, Will, with some of those newly minted founders, if you will, what are some of those things, those one to two things you're really trying to stress to those founders? Yeah. I won't talk about it again, but the first sure. thing is customer discovery. For sure, for sure. Entrepreneurs, um, they have these cognitive biases, right? They mm -hmm. believe their idea is great, mm -hmm. and, and they also believe that they got need to keep it very close to the best so right. no one else will steal it, right? Right. And so that's one thing we try to work with them on that I, I learned firsthand by being a part of Starco and then I've mentored for the four years since I graduated there. Is look, you got to be more open about your idea because you're the more people you talk to, the better your idea is going to be. The better mm -hmm. you can execute on the idea, the more you're going to understand your customer base, the more that's going to inform your product or service, right? Right. The other thing is, is I was talking to an entrepreneur just yesterday that's launched a business here recently, and that's about funding. You know, mm -hmm. funding is this big, scary thing, and it, and it can be. I mean, you're talking about taking on someone else's money and then vowing to them, you know, that you're going to give them a return on investment. You right. understand there's no guarantees and they know that. Most right. Most of the time, this is a big fear factor. And then I'm also, in relation to that, I also, you know, I try to get entrepreneurs to understand that, you know, just because you have that 401 and just because you have a little bit of money and savings doesn't mean that you necessarily have to spend all that money on your idea. Sure, it's great to put in some initial investment in your own belief, but don't always see it as something that you, you know, that you don't want to go asking anybody out for money because you want to keep all the control. Mm. That sounds a little weird, so let me just elaborate sure. a little bit. Which is like, you know, when you have a limited amount of resources, and that resource is a part of your lifeblood, right? It's keeping your lights on, it's making the car payments and tuition payments everything else. You're almost limiting yourself on your scope. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're almost more fearful of what will fail and what will break down that's going to cost you to spend more of your personal heart and money. Now, what you want to do is spend someone else's personal heart on money. For sure. They're <laughs> conditioned to understand what loss and risk is because they're investors, mm -hmm. right? So the idea is you need to have a great idea and a very fleshed out execution plan, but you, when you go talk to those investors, you want them to believe it enough that they're going to give you the money. To me, when you start bringing on funding, your ability to visualize success is enhanced. You start to understand that, yes, money is on the line, but I need to do something with this money and I don't need to be so risk averse because it's the, I won't be able to pay my power bill at the end of the month. Right? right. And so a lot of times I see these people doing this problem of 
spending too little money too often or asking for too little money too often, right? I'm going to spend $10,000 here, I'm going to spend $20,000 here, and that's going to give me six weeks down the road or eight weeks down the road. When you bring on investment and you bring it on at the C level of 200000 to 500000 that gives you 12 to 18 months to execute on the plan and actually hit some real milestones. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to go and get that follow-on funding to reach new levels. So, you know, there's this whole, and we can talk for hours about funding, but I bet. there's this whole misnomer that funding is bad or funding is required or, or fund, you know, I can do it all myself and bootstrap it. and. That certainly happens, but I've found that more people that are willing to take on investment uh, go further faster than those that are trying to bootstrap everything uh, through their own funds. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. Uh, Startup Nation, you know, I want to kind of shift gears here because you wrote a piece in September of 2014. And and the name of it is entitled, uh, Take It From a Serial Entrepreneur, The Age of Small Business Is Now. And in it, you describe that there are so many things at our disposal that, you know, that will allow us to succeed. So yeah. now here it is 2019. Yeah. You know, is that window getting larger? Is it getting smaller? What's your and take on it now? It, I'll <clears> tell <throat> you, Startup Nation, it is blown up. Mm. Now, it's, it's, you know, back to funding, it, it is drying up a little bit because people are getting a little bit more cautious just because they For sure. the For sure. That's For sure. For sure. For sure. And in 12 to 18 months, it's going to be back to where it needs to be. But that's a needed cycle that has happened because of how much funding has come from Silicon Valley and everything else. Mm-hmm. But the money's out there, right? Mm-hmm. The money and investment. I mean, you got brand new investors that have never been investors before. You got celebrity investors. You got sports right. investors. And they're not just investing in other things related to the business. They're looking into startups. They're looking into new money. And, and so you got a lot of people investing. So I think you have a lot of that that's come to play that's even more than 2014. And when I was writing that article, this is the dawn of the age of crowdfunding and Indiegogo and, and Kickstarter and right. other mechanisms uh, to get funding related, not related to a certain investor. But just in general, investment dollars are bigger and, and more prevalent, especially away from the Silicon Valley and to more of the general population of the nation. The other thing that I think is just blown up mm-hmm. uh, is the entrepreneurial ecosystems city by city. Mm, you know, absolutely. Companies, institutions, higher education institutions, city governments, they're all seeing, there's two parts of this, they're all seeing that entrepreneurialism is the way to, uh, the same philosophy we've always had around small businesses being the backbone of the economy. For sure. Entrepreneurialism is still that and it's growing on a daily basis. And there's more people willing to jump off on that because of the volatility of their current jobs. I hear that. You know, after the government shutdown this last year, right. a large percentage of those individuals spun off businesses because they had to create something to keep funds. That's in. true. Again, well, they kept going in those businesses, right? Mm-hmm. So in those areas, in you know, times of diversity and divisiveness, there's are opportunities for the people that are entrepreneurial to jump off and say, okay, now is the time and I'm going to do that. And the ecosystems that they have around them in their cities, especially in Memphis, I've gotten so much stronger in the last five years that there's a whole group of individuals that are willing to step forward and help, like myself, advise and mentor and invest. And the way I think these cities have grown into being is like a rising tide lifting all boats, right? Mm-hmm. So we're all coming all in to help the small business. And one other thing that I think is really, really important to understand is there's the generations that are coming out. You mm-hmm. know, my generation, uh, the X generation, um, was coming off the baby boomers, which is coming off the silent generation. We also refer to them as the greatest generation. Right. 
um, you know, these generations, we, we saw, you know, a pursuit of life of excess almost, right? And we started businesses, but, but not, not, not nearly as much as we're seeing now. The Z generation, according to a few polls like Pew and Gallup and research houses, 44% of the Z generation when asked what they want to do with their life, mm. they say they want to be entrepreneurial. Right. Right. And now we have esports and gaming that are becoming huge billion dollar industry. Absolutely. I mean, the esports and e-gaming world is going to rival the NFL and MLB and all these different things with the leagues they're creating now inside of three or four years. Right. And they're not going to be just done in big cities. You're going to have tournaments in every city in America and it's going to bring, I mean, so Adidas and Nike and all these companies are putting in endorsement money and Twitch and Amazon are putting in money. So there's these environments that are very conducive towards entrepreneurialism, and then you have a generation that's very much driven to be entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So I think it's grown a lot in five years. I think what we're going to see in the next five years is going to be truly amazing. It's funny you mentioned uh, esports, Brian, because you know just recently uh, there's a, a video, a very uh, popular video game streamer named Ninja, okay. who just got an endorsement deal from Adidas, right? right? And so it, like to see how esports has grown over the past few years, and I think Comcast is getting ready to build like a twenty thousand, I mean twenty thousand seat arena yeah. just for esports well, and, and ninja walked away from twitch right right making uh, you know millions of dollars a month mm-hmm. in subscriber revenue but he walked away because he wanted to launch a league he wanted right. to be a part of the ground level of that absolutely thing and so you have you know you have ea sports you have all these different gaming houses that are putting money into it you have institutions like college campuses giving scholarships absolutely the gamers absolutely not just game developers right gamers. gamers right you know, so it's like this huge, so you know, we, we accuse these younger generations, the post-millennials and the Z generation of sitting on their ass all day playing games. <laughs> but lo and behold, right. it's a viable career opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think it's amazing. Absolutely. And it's not even that, but just even the, the offshoots, not even just the direct gamers, but now you have Fortnite consultants, yes. you know, who are the auxiliary <laughs> right, exactly that support, that support the, the, main the, the main business. Yeah, right. Amazing. I mean. You know, I, I don't know what's tab, you know, taboo to talk about here, but the cannabis thing is the same. No, thing, right? no, absolutely, like absolutely. That industry, as it's being normalized and legalized, mm-hmm. and decriminalized, and, and moving through the absolutely. path of you know, decriminalization and medical and everything else, you know, growing and dispensing are great, but you know, big business opportunities. But like you just said, all of the service areas that support right that are really where a lion's share of the total revenue That's true. Can be generated to support these. Supply chains, logistics, they just are talking about making banking available. To Absolutely, the, to yes. To dispensaries and everything mm-hmm. else. That's modernizing it and mainstreaming. And business. giving credibility, and that, right. for so, sure. You know, e-gaming, uh, I'm a big big watcher of the e-gaming, a big watcher of the cannabis side, big watcher of space, mm-hmm. you know, and what's going on in the space world. Right. Uh, also, an, again, an area of opportunity for those that are going to be supporting companies going to space. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be alive. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Thank you for sharing that. I want to shift gears a little bit because, you know, you know you're at CBU and we're here in Tennessee. And so I recently had uh, Dr. Amy Cathy of the University of Tennessee Business School uh, there in Knoxville. And I asked her this question. And I want to share it with you because here in Tennessee, we're starting to see more and more companies come into the state uh, from, you know, California, elsewhere, stuff like that. Our past two governors uh, were kind of business minded, the current and the, the former one just now. 
So I guess I want to get your take on entrepreneurship and, and, and specifically in the state of Tennessee and how, you know, how it's evolved over the past couple of years. Can you guys just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, going back to what we were saying earlier, mm-hmm. city governments are right. stepping up. I mean, we have a program called the 800 Initiative, mm-hmm. which is specifically around um, helping minority-based businesses For sure. grow. Um, here in the state of Tennessee and the city of Memphis, there's 69,000 privately owned firms here in Memphis. Mm. 39,800 of those are owned by minority-based business owners. Right. Um, about 39,000 of those are very small, less than a couple of employees or no employees. But even though they make up you know, a large percentage, well over 60% of the total number of, of, of businesses, they only uh, bring in about two and a half, two point seven percent 2.7% of the total revenue, right? So there's this huge disparity so the city government and the county government, and then also from private investments by FedEx and the Kresge Foundation and some companies like Pathway Lending, mm. bringing in a lot of capital, and then also in partnership with the Epicenter, Starco, uh, CBU, and the city and county of Memphis and Shelby, um, coming together to help these businesses grow. And that's being, so we've also had the people from Nashville come in and right. come in and talk about this. So what we're seeing is, uh, uh, a trend that's starting to grow around community development, specifically around entrepreneurship, though. Right, for sure. Around putting money and time and investment uh, and, and, and intellectual capital and personnel into these businesses to help them grow. And that's going to happen here. It's going to happen in Nashville. It's going to happen in Murfreesboro and Chattanooga. And it's kind of growing as a state. Launch Tennessee does a great job of right. sponsoring these programs and building up entrepreneurship across the state. Um, so it's it's a it's a trend that we're seeing all across the mid south and, and, and the state for sure. For sure, and it really does seem like not just Memphis, but the state as a whole really is open for business. Yeah. Uh, you know, in regards to entrepreneurship and everything else. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. So I, I want to ask you this because you know. Um, one of the big behemoths in business in general has been Apple. And as of as of, you know, uh, yesterday of this recording, you know, they just uh, uh, announced that they're releasing a new iPhone. Yeah. They're releasing a new streaming service and yeah. stuff like that. I want to ask you this. What is something that Apple gets right? And what is it that you think there are some challenges that they have going forward? I, I think they they learned a lesson last year with the X. Mm. Uh, they, they rolled out. A bigger, badder phone, and put a big, bad price tag on it, <laughs> right. right? And kind of price themselves out of the market. That's something they've done several times in the last forty years, right? Um, you know, so you, you know, say what you will between Steve Jobs and Tim Cook, but you know, Tim's a smart business person. He knows that he needs to write his shit. You know, jo- Steve Jobs used to just say, "I'm going to change the industry." Mm. Tim tends to understand that he needs to ride the wave of the industry, still set the tone. But at the same time, listen to his customers and understand what they're willing to do. So, with the 11 coming out, you know, first of all, it's got a lot of great technology on board with it. It's got the three cameras for the right. pros and, and everything else. The price tag didn't raise, and that was what they've done every iteration up until the 10. Right. In fact, some of those new 10, the 11s are cheaper than what their counterpart was with the X's. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I think what they've done right is still keeping up with the technology that people demand because we're a content generation or content creation generation, but not pricing things out so much that the average consumer can't afford it. Gotcha. You can't just build technology only for the wealthy to have. And you can't build technology every year forcing people to want to change that technology that they are still investing in just 12 months ago. So 
you know, it's one of those things where you gotta you gotta figure out the right pace of technology, but the willingness of your customers to actually spend money on that technology. For sure. And if you price it out, it doesn't matter how great the technology is; no one can afford it. Right. I think Apple's kind of writing themselves with this with this last release. I was pretty impressed yesterday when I saw what they had to offer. Gotcha. Let me ask you this, because this is one of the things that I've kind of thought of when it comes to Apple and stuff like that. When it comes to iPhone, it's usually like you know that's what they're kind of known for for yeah. for the large part. Is Apple a one trick pony? People have said that about them every mm-hmm. time they have a major release, and they mm-hmm. keep coming up with another trick. Gotcha. And, you know, with their design head leaving recently. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that might's going to take a hit from an ergonomic design perspective, but they have a great design team, they mm-hmm. have a great design history, and Tim Cook is not lost on design, right? So I think they're always going to do well in that regard. I never count Apple out. Mm. I, mean, I might have an Android in my pocket right now. Gotcha. Mac based, and and it's just you know, I, 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 like I said, I, I never count them out. So I know I don't think they're a one trick pony. All right. I think they'll figure something out. All right, Startup Nation. So we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. We gotta pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to the Startup Life. This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexil series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, feel your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. The Startup Life is powered by Ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show, from those that played Division II basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, and vitamin D, they also included the Rodelio root, 
which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. So, Brian, man, tell us about, you know, your role here at CBU and stuff like that, man. Yeah, you know, I couldn't have dreamt up a better job for sure. For myself. I mean, a, a, a year and a half ago, I was closing down a business that just wasn't working out for a long story of reasons. Uh, and I was looking for something to do. A friend of mine at the uh, University of Memphis, Mike Hoffmeyer, it's a crew center for entrepreneurship. He's like, mm-hmm. man, why don't you, we do a student accelerator every month, every year. Why don't you just come in and coach them on pitching and, and see what, you know, see what, see what drives you. And that was a Tuesday. And then uh, he asked me to come back on the Thursday. And then one of the students asked to meet with me on a Friday. And then another team asked me to come and meet with them on Monday. And I chose to come in on Tuesday. And gotcha. And like, by that next week, he's like, man, do you want a job? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was a little bit about the paycheck at the time, but right. mostly it was about just having something to do. But it wasn't about just having something to do to fill my time. Right. What I fell in love with was mentoring and advising young mm. adults. And I speak a lot about, I mean, we already talked about this G- Z generation, the post millennials, sure. where they are right now and how entrepreneurial they are. Um, so it really just came to, it hit me like a ton of bricks, but this is what I wanted to do. Right. And I always wanted to be back on the academic, in the academic side of the, the, the world and teach and everything else was kind of a goal of mine when I graduated a long time ago. So then six months into it, CBU puts out a job for a director of entrepreneurship and innovation. Mm. And I'm, I'm very community impact oriented. So they had the 800 initiative that was part of. The program they had we want to build an educational program system on teaching entrepreneurship and i have I have a lot of interest there and and they also said we want to do other things but we don't know what those other things are brian we want you know someone to come in and, and really figure out what those other things and those other things are actually creating more businesses with students and right faculty and alumni right so it became a a community impact component, mm. an educational component, which I love, and then a deal flow business creation component. So for that. a guy like me, who's been doing startups for 30 years and now has decided that he wants to, you know, kind of share what I learned, this is like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have written a job description that was better right. than that myself. So I, I applied for it and, and I, I'm a very, you know, non-academic, non-traditional kind of person in that regard. Got you. And I thought when I went to interview that I was going to be summarily dismissed every time I gave an answer because <laughs> I was very, very transparent. And right. Every time I said an answer, they're like, that's what we're looking for. Mm. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. And there was a lot of great candidates that were applying for the I imagine so. I just, I just kind of hoped that I was going to get the opportunity and they called me in May and said, when can you start? And I haven't looked back since. Right. And it goes back to your thing you were saying earlier about municipalities and this and state government, stuff like that, but definitely higher institutions understanding yeah. the impact of entrepreneurship to yeah. where, you know, when you gave those answers, like, you know, what, that's exactly what you're looking for. The, what they're looking for. Sorry. I, I agree totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, these higher education systems are starting to realize that they're having difficulty recruiting and retaining mm-hmm. students. Absolutely. Customers. Right. For and sure. Let's, let's call them what for they sure. Are. Um, and they generate revenue for the institution. Right. The numbers are declining, right? So mm-hmm. any business that's looking at a, a decline in customer base, 
needs to figure something out. Right. And us as a, a society now, we're looking at all the student debt. You know, there's 45 million people in this country that have student debt. Right. You know, it's like, how do we reinvent the educational system to better serve our customers, to make them want to come to the thing, but actually serve their needs, not right. just see them as a revenue generation. For sure, for sure. And so that's really where the higher education systems are really starting to receive entrepreneurialism. We go back to that statistics I said earlier. Absolutely. Where the Z generation, 45% of them want to be entrepreneurs. Okay, well, that fits into the customer base. Absolutely. So let's build entrepreneurialism in the campus. Let's build it in the education. Let's not just say it's a school of business, which is important to mm. create businesses, but let's bring in the school of engineering. Let's bring in the liberal arts schools. Right. Entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurs come in all flavors and Yes, they do. And CBU, you know, by the grace of God, is a very inclusive mission-oriented institutions. They so are. They saw that as, okay, we're going to disrupt what the status quo, and we're going to do it in modern ways by bringing entrepreneurialism, mm-hmm. but we're still going to teach through our mission of enter to learn, lead to serve, right? Absolutely. And so we, we, this is all just this beautiful kind of um, fertile ground of an opportunity, and it's, and it's a trend. So other higher education, so Rhodes wants to work, is, you know, wants to start doing some cross-campus pollination of entrepreneurialism for sure. You know, we want to reach out to Lamont and Owen too mm-hmm. and do some things there. For sure. To, to the other institutions in town, work with the University of Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, the Cruise Center, and, and try to build a higher education entrepreneurial network here in town. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, if you're looking for a higher you know, learning uh, institution and you want to really dive into entrepreneurship, we have a link in the show notes for CBU if that's something that you're interested yeah. in. Uh, and make sure, you know, probably get in contact with Brian a little bit, talk about that a little bit. We'll have that contact information and internet link in the show notes for easy uh, access. So we're here at Crosstown Concourse. We've just been remodeled the past about a couple of years and stuff like that. And you're here in this facility here. Uh, so tell us about the magic that's going to go on here in, in this room at 462 in Cro- Crosstown Concourse, man. Yeah, we, we know we have to have a presence on campus, but we want to have a presence in the community. For well. sure. And For sure. There's nothing better in this city right now. I mean, there's some great things in the city. Absolutely. I mean, across town, I mean, that, this is the place right. right now. I mean, we're going to have some great stuff going over by FedEx Forum. It's also going to be a great community. But right now, Crosstown is, is the place to be. And we, we jumped in with both feet. We have a suite up here on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have three training bays, um, and we have some common areas and some collaboration areas. And, and we're talking about maybe restructuring a little bit to have a little bit more collaboration, some pod-based working so teams can work together. But the whole idea of this place was to get something that's off campus but still represents our campus mm-hmm. so the general population of Memphis can plug into our systems. I hear that. So we teach uh, institutional leadership workshops here. We teach some of our master's programs here. So when you know the adults that are working all day, they need a place to go. They come here. They either go to our, our campus or come here. And now that I'm here, we're going to start doing a lot of more entrepreneurial programming here as well. Okay. Those are going to be you know, pitch competitions and hackathons and, and you know, 48-hour launches, uh, working with teams like Startco, which I, you know, you've been at. Absolutely. Well. You know, Light Memphis is mm-hmm. right across the hallway. For at, sure. At Crosstown High School, mm-hmm. having them come in here. We've actually already sponsored one of their students do a college prep course here. Nice. Um, so this this whole space, I mean, we invested in Crosstown like a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. And, and we really want to utilize it. We're going to activate it a lot in the next uh, several months. Sweet stuff. Once again, that contact information for uh, everything at CBU and what Brian's doing here is in the show notes for easy access. I want to switch gears a little bit if I could because 
uh, on LinkedIn, uh, you loved an article that was entitled, you know, we spend too much time celebrating startups and not enough time celebrating the keep goings, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, why why is that? Like, why do we just really give a whole lot of praise to the startups, but not to the person who's been in five, six, seven years who kind of struggled through the, you know, the tough spots? Yeah. Why is that? Is it the what is that all about? You know, I, I, I think that's changing a little bit. Okay. I probably like that. I, okay, I, fair I, enough. I think with, <laughs> the, with companies like Sweet Bio and Somovac for sure. that have been at it for four or five years mm -hmm. and now are seeing really great strides and success and making revenue and everything else. But I do think that a lot of times in a lot of communities, and I think this community was guilty of it early on several years ago, of startups was just that, 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 that it's trendy yeah. thing, right? Yeah. You know, and it was like startup, 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 startup. But at the same time, there was kind of a mission to that, right? The mm -hmm. more it's like a numbers game. The more startups we started and generated, the more we put in emphasis on starting something. You know, StartCrow's got a great saying: it's about start something and never stop, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really where it's kind of turned into—not just start and startups, but really pushing it out there. And I, I've seen too many trends, especially on the West Coast, a lot where it's like, let me give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars for something you run on a napkin, right? mm -hmm. and that, and, it, and it's like a spray and. Pray, spray, <laughs> play kind of thing. Right. Pray to play, however you want to think about it. And all I was talk, doing was kind of forcing people to generate idea after idea after year, but the lack in execution. Right. Right. They get $250 of easy money, they do their R&D, they decide, ah, that's not for me, and they don't do anything that relates to the never stop or the execution side. So I think Memphis has done a good job of not just buying into the flashy new thing. I hear that. But I've seen, you know, I've seen some trends over the last few years of really where I've seen other cities kind of put too much emphasis, too much funding into that startup and not enough into that long-term, second phase, third phase growth of the company. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So I saw that you recently celebrated a wedding anniversary. So wow, you did congratulations. Look, man, I'm, I'm kind of a uh, uh, somewhat. Right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. Somewhat. Yeah, yeah for that. sure. She's my co-founder. Absolutely. Uh, she and I started that business uh, that I talked about earlier three or four years ago. Yeah. And uh, it, and the business didn't kill the relationship. Hey, that was up. We got married a year ago this past Sunday, and so I appreciate that. Yeah, awesome stuff. Great. No worries. So I, I guess I want to know how how important has Chelsea yeah. been? You know, uh, in 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 helping you, you know, with your you know uh, your career, and just how how supportive has she been? You know, talk about Chelsea a little bit. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs will be able to. I mean, start nation. You'll 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 probably be shaking your head up and down. <laughs> You've heard people in your life saying, why can't you be normal? <laughs> gotcha. And my dad's always said to me, it's like, who's defining normal for you? Because he's always not been normal. Because he, he, like I said, I'm a second generation entrepreneur. I mean, he, right. he's had that too. So, but I've had other people in my life that cared about me greatly, but, you know, that just didn't feel I was right in the head, right? Gotcha. Was normal. But that's the entrepreneurialism, you know, the entrepreneur in me. Right. Chelsea, who, you know, just, you know, love my life is like, not just because I, I love her deeply, but she's also just like me. She mm. is an entrepreneur. She herself. gets you. Right. Yeah. So she's like, what's normal? Who, who, who the hell cares about normal, right? Let's, let's define our own normality. Mm. And and that's our normal. Right. And, um, so she's a, just a strong supporter of my dreams, my aspirations. Uh, I, I am likewise to her in kind uh, as far as that goes. And that really you know makes us very much goal driven, right? So we set goals for ourselves. Uh, but personally, professionally, and in support of each other, 
And it's just an amazing, an amazing relationship. Awesome stuff. Thank you for sharing that. So I also saw on social media that, you know, you, uh, well, you are you know, an Auburn alum. So I feel Very obligated old. to go War Eagle, yeah, right? Totally. For sure, for sure. And I saw that you, you shared a, a graphic of uh, 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 Duck Hunt. Yeah. It, was a, it was a kind of variation of duck hunt yeah. where a tiger was holding up two ducks because yeah. Auburn Tigers just played the Oregon Ducks. Game, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I feel like if you're sharing stuff like that, you're a gamer. You talked about e-gaming and e-sports yeah. and stuff like that. Favorite game? Uh, so uh, Metal, Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid, one okay. Snake right. was one of my favorites. Uh, uh, all the Splinter Cell, the Tom Clancy ones. Okay. So, Ghost Recon too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I, I love all of the, you know, uh, Battlefields and everything else. I mean, gotcha. I used to be very much of a single first-person shooter kind of thing. Okay. I came up with Doom and and some of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I got into the team-based games with you know some of the, um, the 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 battlefield type games, and then I just stopped. Gotcha. Right? And then, and then it was like, okay, these games have now reached my well beyond my capacity to keep up. With oh yes. Graphics. Oh and yeah. It's like the processing power of gaming consoles. Right. Out, far outpaced <laughs> my ability to mentally keep up. Gotcha. So I find myself going back to recruit mode and uh, assist mode. Gotcha. And all these different things. I'm yeah. Like, I'm cheating. I do, <laughs> do. I do like the Battlefront Star Wars things when they come okay. out. Okay. So every time they come out with a new one, I, I, I spend check about those out. Nine, yeah. nine hours just you know nailing through that thing that i've done so like a two-week period i'm out but uh i I don't play much games as far as that goes fair enough my son is a huge gamer and he's you know he does a lot of nba stuff and Mm -hmm. and football and and you know fortnite a little bit legends and and some of those things but uh i I kind of live vicariously through him and let him beat the crap out of me in nba every once in a while (laughs) so big big 2k player huh Fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, you know, like I said, we talked about you uh, graduating from Army University. So, I want to ask you this if you had to start a company with, uh, with either Charles Barkley, Cam Newton, Bo Jackson, and this last one is me trolling you a little bit, Gus Malzahn, uh, who would you start one and why? You me, you know which one of those is not. So I know. <laughs> I mean, I love my Auburn Tigers. And I'm a diehard fan. Right. I support them. Winners. That's what Auburn people do. Um, and I'm going to keep my comments about Gus. Uh, you know, I just, I just, we have a coaching issue. And we've been saying, the fan base has been saying that for a while. Right, um, right. The, the, contra- the people writing contracts aren't going to be on the same board. He's got a great agent, let's put it that way. For sure. Um, Bo Jackson, you know, would okay. be the three. I love Charles Barkley, and I, obviously I love Cam Newton mm-hmm. as well. Cam is a great impact-oriented individual. He knows about brand very well. For He's sure. the Cam brand, extremely well. Charles Barkley is an incredibly intelligent person. He doesn't get nearly enough credit. I mean, right. he's a big guy that everyone thinks is kind of silly and everything else, but he's incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a big fan of mine. And, and Charles and Bo, was when I was going through school, they were there. Right. right. So, um, or a little bit before me, but not too much. Right. But Bo Jackson, you want to talk about brand. Mm. Right? Bo knows Bo. Right? right. Bo is an entrepreneur. Bo has several businesses. He lives in Auburn. He is strong support of the community. He's a strong support of the kids. He came from a very, very, very rough rural background outside of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Football saved his life. I mean, he was definitely he was in gangs. He was definitely in a bad state. Uh, I mean, the man is incredibly intelligent, but can barely speak. I mean, his story is 
uh, is inspirational. And he has come so far uh, and, and had such great opportunities. I mean, he was one of the most athletic individuals we've ever seen. Right. Um, dual sport threat and would do things on both the field of baseball and in the field of football that no one can imagine. Still, we see highlights of him running up the green wall to catch the ball. That's right? true. You know, so, but he's also a great entrepreneur and he's a great father, great mentor, great supporter of the Auburn Nation. And, mm. you know, I would, I would do it. Would, I would bend over backwards to start a business with him. I hear that. For sure. I hear that. Let me ask you this. The, you know, what, who is a leader that you admire that has never opened a business, never started a business? Uh, hmm, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, the first person when you asked that was mm. my mom. Okay. Um, although she was always someone who worked at our businesses, she mm. was always the type of person who was also a little bit fearful of, of what those businesses and how those businesses could fail. For sure. But when when she would get into those things, she would she would leave with such empathy, right? She would manage the, the business with such empathetic values. For sure. That she really understood that you know, you had to support your team, you had to support your people, and you had to listen to your customer, and you had to do these things. I mean, she, she was just a, she was just a very good entrepreneur without ever giving her the self the title of being an entrepreneur. So it's one of those things where she's probably you know one that's had biggest influence on me um, and the softer skill side of things mm-hmm. that's never started a business. But you know, there's a lot of people around town that haven't taken that leap to to do entrepreneurship that are still great. Supporters, I hear that. What I would I would create a business with if they were you know, so inclined. For sure. Um, but that's you know that's, that's there's there's a lot of people like that. For sure, for sure. What's your entrepreneurial superpower and why? Uh, I can't fly. I can't disappear. <laughs> I can't go this normal. <laughs> the thing that I feel like I'm really good at is seeing a product or service well beyond even what the entrepreneur sees it at. When I hear that. Any eye to give to me. I've just been around for so many times. I've got one of those brains that it just never stops thinking. Unfortunately, I would love to turn it off sometimes, but it doesn't. So everything I see, and this is my parents will tell you this from a very early age, is you know I was always taking apart things, wanting to figure out how they worked, wanting to build and create things. I look around and see anything that's in my eyes view and how I can make it better, or I even think about who who made that, or if I want to go back in time, what businesses would I start? Mm, you know, that interesting. are big things here now. I mean, right. I was thinking yesterday, just the red, yellow, green lights that we see, uh, who invented that thing? Mm. Who actually not invented the, the stoplights, but right. built the company that has every stoplight in America. Ah, right, you know, right, right. So my point in saying all that is like, you know, I've always just looked at things and how they can, they currently are. And what was the momentum and or motivation for creating those? And what mm. was the market that then made them successful? Right. And then how can they be better? So being just a student of everything mechanical and non-mechanical in life, when I hear something and someone talks to me, like, you know, and, and someone like walks in and says they have a recycling business, right? Mm-hmm. And I start asking them, okay, well, you know, tell me more. Right. And then I'll start thinking along those lines and seeing the ideas that I might have towards where they could take that business right. or what, you know, what customers might think of that. Okay. Um, so I think my superpower is kind of vision, right? Just seeing things and things that maybe other people don't. All right. I hear that. So before I ask my last question, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the Startup Life Podcast, That's powered great. by the Binge Podcast Network. We learned a lot of stuff from uh, understanding customer discovery and understanding to take that risk 
with the customer discovery and also market research. And also one of the things you said, you didn't say this verbatim, but one of the things I took away was there's opportunity in chaos. Yeah. When you talked about, you know, when people were losing their jobs and stuff like that and they were trying to need some money to kind of still uh, uh, support their lifestyle or whatever case may be. There's opportunity in chaos. So think about that startup nation for sure. But thank you for all of that value for yeah. sure. But now I'm going to turn the microphone over to you because there's somebody in Startup Nation who's either uh, they're afraid to start their business or they feel stuck yeah. and they just want a path forward or whatever. So give them some words of motivation. Tell them it's okay to move forward. Yeah. Look, take the leap. You know, that's the best way of me saying it. You, If you have an idea, it's not going to go away. You know, mm. it's one of those things you're going to keep festering on and festering on and festering on. In today's world, there's great opportunities and resource systems out there in your city. You just got to open your eyes and look at it. Um, you know, make sure you do your customer discovery and, and, and see how customers can really inform and better and evolve your product and your service. But just take that leap. And when you start something, never stop, right? I hear that. Now, I'm not saying that the business is going to be automatically successful and at some point you don't need to stop doing that business because it's failing. For sure. But never stop your entrepreneurial journey, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So take the leap, start, never stop. Gotcha. I hear that. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life Podcast. Did you enjoy being on the show, my man? I loved it. Awesome. I've done a few of these. This is the best one so far. Awesome. I love hearing that. All right, Startup Nation. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. Startup Nation, do you have friends and loved ones that you want to do something nice for, but maybe they live in the next city, the next state, or even halfway around the world? Well, I have a solution for you. Koya is the new and best way to let your friends and family know you're thinking of them. Choose a friend, record a message, and hide it in a location that they are likely to visit and give them a clue. When they arrive, your message will instantly appear. You can even send them a gift. Best of all, the app is completely free. Get Koya.com to download it now. That's K-E-T-K-O-Y-A.com. Or check the link in the show notes. Koya. 
Show you care when you can't be there.